by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling. It's time for In the Garden with Peter Burke, author of Year-Round Indoor Salad Gardening. Our program today brought to you by The Willie Store, your true value hardware store near Caspian Lake in Greensboro. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, your full-service florist with over 40 greenhouses in Colchester. Online at clausens.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard, your neighborhood community feed, grain, animal, and yard store with locations in Morrisville, Montpelier, St. Albans, and Williston. Guy'sFarmandYard.com By Grow Compost, compost soils, mulches, and so much more on Route 2 in Moortown. GrowCompost.com By PNR Lumber, your complete local lumber store on Route 15 in Walcott. Great place to get that cedar for your raised beds. By Menards Agway, your garden and pet place, Brooklyn Street, Morrisville. By Blossom Cottage Florist, top quality flower arrangements and lots more. Also, Taste of the North, online at tasteofthenorth.com and right there conveniently on Route 302 in Barrie. By Linda's Apparel, bursting with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkling jewelry, and the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions around. Linda's Apparel, Main Street, Virgent. By Jail Branch Greenhouse, perennials, annual soils, and great selection of all your garden needs. On Route 302 in Barrie. And your locally owned Agway store, seeds and feeds and more. Right there on Route 2 in Montpelier. Telephone lines are open at 802-244-1777 or toll-free 877-291-8255. And we're streaming worldwide at WDEVradio.com. And here's your host, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. Hello. <laughs> well, I'm really excited about today's show because today we're talking with Bill McDorman of the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance located in beautiful Ketchum, Idaho. Bill is presenting a six-day seed school up at uh, Sterling College in uh, Crestbury Common. So this is a, an immersion course. It goes for a week, August 5th through the 10th, and the course covers both the mechanics of seed savings and breeding, as well as some of the politics of seeds. I like the bumper sticker, no farms, no food, and I think we should really add to that, that no seeds, no farms, no foods. Seeds is where it all begins. Bill, are you there? I am here. Can well, you hear me? I sure can hear you. Welcome. Oh, great. Well, uh, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Well, good. Well, we feel the same way. Of course, we're lucky uh, up here in the Northeast. We have great seed companies like High Mowing Seeds in Vermont and Johnny's Selected Seeds over in Maine. And they have very high standards for growing and breeding quality organic seeds. No GMOs, I would like to add. It's, uh, it's great to see uh, that there is a movement to preserve a, a wide variety of seeds and keep them in the public domain. Organizations like the Seed Service, Seed Savers Exchange, or seem to be like on a mission to preserve a wide variety of seeds. And Bill, your nonprofit, the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance, has a mission statement that goes like: The Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance is a nonprofit organization working to assure an abundance of diverse and diverse supply of local seeds for the Rocky Mountain region through education, networking, and establishing a community-based models of seed stewardship. Okay, Bill, how do you go from preserving local seeds in Idaho to teaching seed school in Vermont? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so many of the uh, overreaching principles are the same. And then one of the things we do, you know, we've just learned how to do seed schools. Mm. We've graduated for a thousand students now over the last eight years. 
Yeah. You know, and every time every time we do one, we learn. I mean, how, what is the easiest, best, most efficient way to get this age-old information back into the hands of America's gardeners and farmers? You know, we're we're the one country that's pretty much given up saving our own seeds, and mm. so. You know, we just learned how to do that pretty well. And then we're always looking to have the local experts come in and help us. And we're really mm-hmm. excited because two of the best in the Northeast uh, are going to be part of the school. Three of the best, or four. Will Bonzel, mm-hmm. yep. legendary, um, one of the, you know, the uh, I would call the pillars of the original Seed Savers Exchange. Mm-hmm. John Navazio, maybe the most famous seed breeder who now works at Johnny's Selected Seeds. He's head of their open pollinated breeding. John's an old friend. He's coming down to spend a day with us. And mm-hmm. then we're going to have, uh, you know, the new side are, are what we call the young believers. These <laughs> are young people that have realized they're going to live on a different planet than the one I grew up on. You know, I'm in my 60s. And and uh, Petra Page Mann has started her own bioregional seed company, Fruition Seeds, down in New York in the mm-hmm. Finger Lakes region, in an area that used to have 100 small seed companies. Mm. And now she's the only one. I and mean, we like to see it as part of a movement to come back, you know, and reestablish, you know, these roots everywhere so that, you know, people can get the particulars of what's adapted right where they are. Yeah. That's the magic of biology and the magic of saving seeds. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, I've been reading your syllabus, you could tell, and, and you mentioned something in, in there, um, and I'm curious, uh, what is a seed citizen? <laughs> well, you know, it, one of the things, and this is uh, my take on it, um, and it's something that I brought to seed school, and it's something that the students have really taken up with and and appreciated, is that it's probably not enough. Although it's one of the most powerful things you can do is when you start to grow and save your own seeds. Mm-hmm. Because what happens inevitably is that you have too many. I mean, saving seeds is such an abundant process. You always, I mean, if you save seeds from five tomatoes, yeah. you probably have enough seeds for the rest of your life for oh. your own garden. Okay, I and so, see. And so you start feeling guilty. Like, what am I going to do with them? And you start sharing them. Mm. Well, each citizen picks up with idea that idea. How can you live in your community? How can you change the world around you with these seeds that you've saved? Okay. And, um, and, and that's really what it's about, is, is learning enough about, say, a little bit of the history and the politics of how we got to the point where three companies now, you know, arguably own or control 60 to 70 percent of the world's seeds. Mm. You know, how does that affect us in mm. our own backyards? Mm. And what is our responsibility now to grow and save our own seeds? Those are the kinds of things we talk about as a seed citizen. So you feel pretty confident that a, a gardener just like me, you know, doesn't have a great big farm, can save seeds uh, pretty successfully from year to year? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, here's a couple of things. One is that you probably, a no gardener will probably save all their own seeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where happens, you know, a local seed exchange, seed library, people that you can exchange with. And so maybe you love carrots and you do that, mm-hmm. and your neighbors do cabbages, and somebody down the road does peppers, you uh, know, and you all and get something that's adapted to your microclimate. And I so see. that we see that happening a lot. And in fact, there's over 500 new seed libraries in the United States that have been started in the last six or eight years around mm. that principle. Mm. Mm. Sort of and like with kids, it takes a village to keep the seeds going, right? <laughs> right. And the other thing is, and, and this may be the biggest misconception that uh, that American gardeners have is they head, head into seed saving, uh-huh. is that we think at our, in our home garden to begin with that we need to follow all the rules and that okay. we need to be as rigorous as the seed breeders and producers are yeah. for industrial agriculture. Okay. And that's just not true. It's ah. just never been true. Okay. Good. I mean, if your life depends on your crop being ready at a certain time and it has to look a certain way, of course, you need mm. uniformity. Mm-hmm. You need somebody who knows what they're doing mm-hmm. at, a, at a really fine level. Right. But as a home, home gardener, as the great Carol Depe, who taught genetics at Harvard, Right. For 25 years says, um, you know, what's the worst genetic mistake you can make in your home garden? <laughs> what, whatever, it, whatever it is, you still get to eat it. Yeah. 
you're still gardening. So I gotcha. it's all from a, a base of gardening up. Yeah. And so, and out of those mistakes that happen sometimes, mm-hmm. and we call this playful plant breeding, mm-hmm. have come some of the world's greatest crops. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is called creating diversity. This is the, the, the rightful role of the home gardener. We've always been the ones that have created diversity. We're the ones that, that, that form the foundation of all of agriculture, because without that diversity, we're not going forward I get in you. You know, this time of climate change, probably. Mm. You know, I just heard on your program about a, a duck that they're seeing for the first time first in time. Vermont yep. from the, the south. Well, along with that duck moving into Vermont, are countless new viruses, yeah. bacteria, mm-hmm. fungus, and other things that are going to get our agriculture. That's right. And so without having a base of home gardeners experimenting and having fun mm-hmm. and making genetic mistakes, we're not going to find those diseases, isolate them, and maybe even select new varieties that are resistant to them. Yeah. That's what we need to set up. And so, again, that may get back to what it means to be a seed citizen. Seed citizen. You know, yeah. it, it may end up being a very important role as we go forward. Mm-hmm. And we would like to, to think that well, it is in our seat. On the on the playful side, my my son took a trip over to um, Thailand, oh three, four, five years ago, as part of a high school um, uh, trip. And uh, when they got back, he pulls out of his backpack these four or five cloves of garlic, and I'm thinking, oh my God, how did he get them back? <laughs> and uh, and so. Being a gardener, as I am, I uh, we didn't try them, we didn't use them. I went out and planted them right away, and it turns out it's a it's a soft neck, but it's a soft neck with four big bulbs, which I oh, I, I haven't. Yeah, and and I like the uh, the hard necks with the with the four or five you know big bulbs, so that you don't have to peel quite so much. And so I was delighted to get a soft neck variety that that did the same thing, and I've been expanding it and and telling people about it and giving them a few, you know. And I, I guess that's what you're talking about, playful seed citizen. <laughs> well, well, you know, it is probably, you know, if you, you want to generalize it, the, the activity that um, gave us, you know, the modern um, cuisine that we have around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It was small people who generally didn't know what they were doing genetically. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost all the world's major foods Mm-hmm. including the 2,000 varieties of corn that were grown in the United States in 1900 and the 30,000 varieties of wheat that were growing worldwide. All that happened with people who had no idea who Gregor Mendel was, <laughs> had no right. idea what right. genetics were yeah. or crossing or making mistakes. It happened because somebody maybe took their backpack or you know whatever mm-hmm. it was into a new area and somebody started saving it. Mm-hmm. And as you save it in Vermont, it starts to change. It's no longer the same as it was in Thailand. Uh, you know, what, yes. what, you're, what you're tapping into is the most magical and powerful thing that we could probably hold in our hands. Mm. And that is a seed's ability to adapt. So we know what came first, years. not the chicken or the egg. It was the seed that came first, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is. And, you know, as a culture, you know, it, American gardeners have almost totally abandoned that Yeah. to an extreme. And mm-hmm. so we just see that the times to get that back. And one of the other fun things that we point out, and this we go into this in our seed school, is that, you know, that, that, that dovetails almost perfectly with our modern need to differentiate ourselves in markets. Mm-hmm. We need new products that no one else can sell. Uh. Otherwise, you're, you're competing on a global commodity scale. And wow. no no farmer can do that now. American farmers are getting hammered. Yeah. That's the soybean farmers and the corn farmers. Yeah. They need something that's theirs. Right. But we've forgotten that each individual region can, can and should produce its own adapted variety with its own characteristics Hmm. and it's not difficult to do that just start saving seeds from those things that work where you are the things that the people around you love create your own walla walla onion get it protected by the usda and then you've got a product no one else in the world has (laughs) that's pretty cool have you ever heard of the gill feather turnip it's... No, I love stories like this, though. <laughs> well, apparently it was a Vermonter who uh, who saved his seeds, and uh, he found something that was a cross between actually a turnip and a rutabaga. So it was a 
it was a well they called it a turnip but it didn't have a purple top they it, uh -huh. some people called it a rutabaga but it didn't have the yellow flesh it had the white flesh and when you cooked right. it it was just as soft and fluffy as regular mashed potatoes so it's it oh, was my. really quite a uh, quite a find and he for years you know hoarded this and tried to keep it proprietary you know and uh, so but finally the seeds got out and then in what was it 1995 the uh, the patent ran out and so now they're they're uh, available you know through small seed uh, seed companies but it's called Great. the gillfeather and his name of course was gillfeather and uh, well you know what what we learn in teaching our seed schools is give everything away Mm. You know, yeah. that, 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 that patenting doesn't have a place in seeds. I agree. And what happens is if you're a gill feather and it's a gill feather turnip and you're mm -hmm. a really good steward of it and you start <laughs> sharing it, yeah. the wealth that will come back to you will be way greater yeah. if you give it away and get people to support you. Because generally, people will return things to you. I've always, you know, really admired Rob Johnson at Johnny's Selected Seeds because mm -hmm. over the years, Johnny's picked up a number of things that have been produced or found, their mistakes or whatever, or heirloom varieties that other people have created. Yeah. And Johnny's, out of a sense of duty, returns a 10% royalty to those people. <laughs> no kidding. Donation back to them. They did that when I was the director of Native Seed Search in Tucson. Yeah. Every year we would get a check from Johnny's for um, uh, Mrs. Burns Lemon Basil, which originally <laughs> came from uh, Tucson, Arizona in the late 1800s. Yeah. And Native Seed Church sold it, Johnny's picked it up, and they would always donate it back. That's the spirit that we really need to keep uh, engendering, and that's the only way, I believe, that we'll get enough diversity in time uh -huh. to really save our agriculture. Yeah. You know, and, you yeah. know, and the other thing I would say about the gill feather turnip is that it took 10,000 years of people breeding yeah. turnips and rutabagas to get the wild plant to that stage to where he could take advantage mm -hmm. of a genetic mistake mm -hmm. like, that his to begin with. He right, just happened to be right, right. You know, there to find it and bless him and bless him for naming it and yeah. bless him for making it special. Those are the values that we really try to uh, further in yeah. our students. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I'm sort of wondering, it's like, how do you own a seed? And, and if you can really own one, can I, uh, can I uh, uh, get dibs on uh, the dandelion? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there are, um, it's part of the World Trade Organization. Yeah. You know, they're trying to, countries all over the world is, is attach intellectual property rights mm. to seed. They want, in fact, d define a seed that can be uh, uh, commercialized as only those mm. that are uniform, distinct, and stable, those that can be patented. Yeah. So that's on one side, that's a movement. But then on the other side, we see the Convention on Biodiversity. We see the Nagoya Protocol. We see uh, the country of India and others saying, nope, you can't patent seeds. Mm. Seeds are human right. They've been here as long as agriculture, and they need to be openly shared. And so... One of the things I want to say is that um, there's a new, what I call it, not a threat, but some, a concern. I want you to, you know, uh, encourage your, your listeners to look back in, through the catalogs of your great northeastern seed companies okay. and start looking for the varieties that are now in those catalogs that are, have utility patents. Mm -hmm. Because utility patents are the most restrictive um, intellectual property rights on the planet. And for the first time ever, the gardeners who grow utility patented plants cannot even allow those plants to go to seed, hmm. let alone save the seed. And up to 40% of the varieties in one of those catalogs, and I'm not going to name names because these are great companies and they're my friends and I love them and they've, they're by and large doing the great things. But just in the last couple of years, up to 40% of especially the lettuce varieties and the greens are now have utility patents. Wow. And, and, I, and gardeners don't know that. No, nope, never noticed it. Right. And so start looking and start asking. We need, and I'm sure they'll come around and do the right thing because I don't even think these companies know. These are largely European chemical companies that have jumped on, especially the new indoor, you know, controlled agriculture yep. that's going to lettuces and the greenhouse stuff. And that's what they're slapping these utility patents on. And okay, so, Bill, we you know, need lettuces, to... I... 
All right, okay. let's pick it up there, the utility patents, and we need to take a, a commercial break. So okay. hang on to a second. If you, All right. Okay, you, you got time, right? Pop off your propane grill tanks this Saturday. Hi, this is Tiffany from Menards Agway. The crew from Suburban Propane will be grilling hot dogs, and we will be filling 100-pound tanks for just $60 and 20-pound tanks for just $11.99, June 30th only. At family-owned and operated Menards Agway, your yard, garden, and pet place, open seven days a week, Brooklyn Street, Morrisville. Starting this Saturday, 50% off all outdoor plants. If you think about shopping where you can find everything you need, local foods, beers, wines and cheeses, local produce and breads and groceries, a full hardware department, clothing and footwear that are the best names and quality, the cheapest gas around, and housewares, think no further than the family-owned Willie's Store in downtown Greensboro. Willie's brand spices, meats and seafood, gardening and sugaring supplies. If Willie's doesn't have it, you certainly can get along without it. The Willie's Store across from Caspian Lake in Greensboro, like them on Facebook. Hi, this is Lisa from Grow Compost of Vermont. Grow Compost works every day to complete our food cycle from farm to plate and back to the soil. We collect food scraps and farm residuals and transform them into organic soils for our local farms and gardens. Depend on Grow Compost to provide the finest compost and premium potting soil for all your growing needs. Visit us at growcompost.com for more information about food scrap pickup or soil deliveries. Grow Compost, exceptional local soils. Okay, we're back, and um, we're back with Bill McDormand, and who's teaching the uh, seed school up in uh, Sterling College up in Crestbury, Vermont. And uh, I do want to say uh, it, it I think we had a caller, and I didn't mean to ignore you, but um, we'll uh, open up to callers now. And, and uh, Bill, you're, you're game yes. for that? Yes, please. Oh, That's okay. what we're here for. <laughs> However we can help. Okay. Yeah, no problem. All right, good. Well, can you tell us a little bit more about the seed school? Um, you know, how, is it, how does yeah. it work? Well, we, um, you know, for many that have come, with the, the idea for seed school came out of the permaculture movement. Okay which started, you know, 25 years ago, and over 20 million people have been through the equivalent of a two-week course. Mm -hmm. And those courses become life-changing because it creates a new network of people that, you know, are then committed to, you know, changing their lives and doing things differently. And so mm -hmm. we have a six-day version of our seed school, mm -hmm. and that's what we're doing in Vermont. And, um, and, lots of, and, and for lots of iterations of that, it has become life changing 13 of our students have gone on to start their own bioregional seed company <laughs> no kidding. they get inspired enough and they learn enough to do it yeah to, to to go on and where to get the information that they actually start a seed company and the countless seed libraries and seed exchanges have come out of our students i mean this is really important like you said the the bumper sticker mm -hmm. you know without seeds we're not going to have sustainable <laughs> agriculture right. and yet almost all of the seeds we use in our agriculture are not local yet yeah. they're not local you know johnny's does not grow very many of its own seeds i think rob at one point told me 11 percent mm -hmm. was the most they ever grew there in the northeast yeah. those seeds are coming from contracts in china now as well as all over the united states yeah. Where are your local seeds? Yeah. And so, you know, that's why this is so important. For people that want to hit a reset button in their life mm -hmm. and come spend six days and get the best, you know, what we like to think it's the best distillation of knowledge around the most important topic for humans on the planet at this time. That's how we treat this. Yeah. And it's and we get some of the best teachers to come and help us. So yeah. that's seeds in a nutshell. You have a very impressive uh, uh, teacher list there. Um, I was looking at the uh, the syllabus, and uh, so you're teaching part of it, and then they're going to teach some of it. And uh, let's see now, it goes from Sunday, August fifth, to mm, Friday, August tenth, right? And then each yes. day is a full day class, right? Yes, full day. We're going to do a field trip to high mowing. Actually, mm -hmm. um, um, they are coming in and helping us. You know, as I said. Mm -hmm. um, John Navazio is coming down from Johnny's. He'll be there for plant breeding, mm -hmm. you know, and pollination for a day. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Will Bonzel, who is just one of the masters, you know, this guy is one of those people that have been doing it um, for 25 or 30 years just on his own and can answer so many, you know, particular questions 
about the, uh, the, the problems that anyone would have going into this. You know, I ran my own small seed company for 28 years. Mm-hmm. So I've tried to, you know, and taught gardening classes over a long period of time. So I try to bring that into it. Linda Prim is coming up. She's now one of the research people at Rodale. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? So we're bringing, yeah, she's coming in. She's actually one of the people who was around when they started the first Seeds of Change oh. seed company out in, in the Southwest. Sure. Uh, Linda uh, was storing seeds more than 30 years ago at Ghost Ranch. You know, she's been involved in this a long, long time. And so, you know, there, there really, there hasn't been a gathering of, of sort of these masters mm. in the Northeast like this for, for a while. There have been others, and there's other great people out there teaching. We're, you know, we're not the only game in town, but, you know, we're lucky enough to, to pull people together. And, and Sterling College has just been great yeah. at, at providing a place for this. This is going to be, you know, a comfortable a residential program so we all get to be there in the evenings and you know all the all the magic that starts to happen and so i'm really looking forward to it yeah i can see why it, it's uh they've had run some very good courses up there uh, uh, my son took yeah. one last year and and he was just thrilled it was uh they went up to canada to see uh john martin fortier's farm up there who did the uh, market gardeners book uh, which has been pretty popular um, around here, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but uh-huh. yeah, yep. And uh, I saw the uh, the documentary this morning, "Seeds: The Untold Story." And, oh yeah. Uh, and I I saw you refer to something as the mother corn, and I was <laughs> kind of wondering how the heck did you get a hold of the mother corn? What's the story behind that? Well, the mother, what I was referring to is teosinte. Mm-hmm. Which, which is the wild crop relative okay. for all corn. Hmm. Wow. It's, a, it's, it's Zaya maize, basically. Hmm. It's where corn came from. And over the last 8,700 years, at least that's the first evidence we have archaeologically that mm-hmm. was being grown uh, for food, um, it's just been saved and improved upon until we got modern corn. And if you if you ever see a picture of it, it, has, it looks nothing like, it's a tropical grass, it's 18 to 24 inches tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally it was found outside Oaxaca. Yeah. And little by little, thousands of years, it was selected by people to become you know what we know as corn. And so it's still around. It took a long time for modern science to actually acknowledge that that was you know where all corn came from it took a lot of genetic testing or whatever but now we know it'll actually cross with modern corn and so and that's where even the the blue corn and all the colored corns came from is was from that corn from that corn wow. everything that wow. shows you how much diversity can packed inside <laughs> a plant and again you know so you know one of the, the things i found myself saying one time in seed school it's like you could have walked out into a field of Teosinte mm-hmm. outside Oaxaca 8,700 years ago and harvested these little black rocks mm. and had a handful of them and said, do you know what I have in my hand? <laughs> I have in my hand literally the software and hardware mm. that will mm. feed three coming civilizations, the mm. Inca, the Maya, and the Aztec, with enough left over for the United States of corn. Mm. Mm. It will be taken to every continent mm. It will be every color. Yeah. It will be sweet. It'll be flour. It'll be hard. It'll be flint. Everything, all those genetics were inside wow. a handful yeah. of those seeds. That's how powerful seeds are. That's and that's amazing. what gets us going with energy, thinking about now when we hold seeds in our hand. Mm. What do we have for the future as long as we get involved and stop buying them? Yeah. And we start paying attention again attention again and planting our own and saving them that's what you buy back into when you save your own seeds so well it's funny because one of my and you're talking about that reminded me of it is one of my favorite uh childhood uh, memories is sticking my hand in the in the seed of in the in the bin of seeds at the hardware store where you know you used to go to buy your um, seeds yeah. and that cool yeah. and and the feeling of the grain and everything it just was so amazing it's just incredible that that all of that is right there in those seeds yeah, yeah it's really there's something transcendental so many of the people that I, I've, it's been a real pleasure living here in the southwest mm-hmm 
because I've been around some of the Native American, well, the Hopi have been here for more than a thousand years. Mm-hmm. And they define who they are. Mm-hmm. And you see a little bit of that in the movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they define who they are and their children are because of seeds. Mm-hmm. You know, their relationship, their their spiritual and cultural identity is around that feeling of sticking your hands, <laughs> you, you know, in that barrel of seeds. And so I relate to that on all sorts of levels now. I've really been opened up to the power and magic of that. And it's yeah. just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it's incredible. So um, just on a practical basis for a gardener, a small gardener, what's a good seed or seeds to, to start with? Uh, anything come yes. to mind? Great great question there are five uh-huh. seeds okay. that five. we call the the easy ones okay, that great. every gardener should save right away okay listen we, up everybody reason, these are the easy ones right, <laughs> right. start where it's easy and my little um, gar- uh, seed book i wrote in 1994 uh-huh. was around that idea I said this does not have to be a big scary enterprise it can <laughs> okay. be really easy to start with and that's because they're self-pollinating which uh, means that the flowers are designed the flower structure for them to pollinate themselves before the flowers even open. Mm. So you don't have to worry about messing up or making mistakes. Okay, and uh, tomatoes. Okay, tomatoes. Peppers. 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 Peas. Yeah. Beans. Beets. And peppers. Did you say beets? And and lettuce, yeah. Beets and lettuce. No, not beets, beans. Oh, beans. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, okay? Yes. So tomatoes, peppers. Yep. Peas, beans, uh-huh. and, and lettuce. Okay, great. Great. All right? Lettuce, Those are the really? Lettuce. Huh. You know, yeah. you run out into your garden when it, your lettuce is bolted, and you go, oh, no, <laughs> I lost it. It's bolted. It's going to be bitter. Now you run out to your garden and go, all right, lettuce. <laughs> and if you're a market gardener, mm-hmm. you know, you've got five days to sell that head of lettuce probably in hot weather yeah if you let it go to seed you could probably get 50 packets of seeds out of it Uh, and those seeds last for 10 years yeah and you can sell those packets through you know over the internet Mm -hmm. you know in little Mm -hmm. packages for Mm -hmm. the same price as that head of lettuce and so adding lettuce seed (laughs) to your market garden is a really good idea (laughs) that's cool and then one other one other thing to say about lettuce as i was talking about utility patents those are the seeds that are being patented I see. in your favorite seed catalog. So look, it is illegal for the first time in human history for you to save those seeds. And it's one of the easiest. It's the one that we're teaching people how to save. And so ask your seed company, make sure that the lettuce seeds you're getting right now are not patented. I see. And make sure that they carry non-patented lettuce seeds for you. We need to create our own indoor and outdoor lettuce agriculture with our own seeds. Patented right. seeds may carry all sorts of advantages for industrial agriculture, but we can do it without those seeds on our own. We've always done that. That's our future. So if you started with seeds from, say, like Seed Savers Exchange or one of those seeds of change, those are probably not patented, right? Well, or even start with seeds from Johnny's or High Mowing. Just oh, okay. Check in with them and uh, make sure they're not patented. I get you. You know, okay. I found some mistakes in both of those catalogs. Oh, really? And so, oh, really? Yes, I have. Hmm. Uh, numerous mistakes, actually. And hmm. so it's time for everybody to up their game and everybody to find out. We're just in this period in the last two or three years where they're starting to flood these varieties into our catalogs. And we're just now waking up. I don't, I'm not going to blame anybody. It's no one's fault. Mm-hmm. But we consumers can change that and make sure that everybody knows i'm not saying don't buy patented seeds even yeah right you know well it's just like it's just like the uh go ahead i'm sorry well go ahead no it's just like the gmo seeds is that the that you know they won't even they won't even let them into europe you know they can't even they can't even import them into europe to to use in foods at all well, the, the shocking thing about many of these uh, utility patented seeds is that they're certified organic. Mm. People think that when they buy certified right. organic seed, they're getting, they're doing the right thing. Wow. And now we have a new industrial le- level of certified organic and they're utility patented. Wow. And that just doesn't work. Yep. And so, you know, you just give up. <laughs> and what we don't want to see, and this is the real danger, is that a, a gardener is going to buy seeds 
lettuce seeds. You know, they're going to get excited because of Seed School or mm-hmm. this program. They're going to save their own lettuce seeds. They're going to. These are really great. They're going to take them down to their local seed library. Yeah. And a local seed official is going to go, uh-oh, you've got patented seeds in your seed library. Wow. You cannot do that. That's against the law. Wow. It is against the law to exchange patented seeds. Even not exchange? only sell them, mm. even exchange them. You're yeah. not even supposed to grow them. Wow. And I mean, so mm. all sorts of community things could start to kick in. And that's why we have to upper game and understand this. So, oh, okay. I got it. I got the picture. Um, I, I would add to your five, uh, dill. Those are dill? very easy. <laughs> Matter of fact, it's yeah. become a weed. Yeah. I've noticed that now the packet says dill weed, and now I know why. Uh, <laughs> Claytonia, miner's lettuce. Uh, yeah. I've noticed that that is a weed in my garden now. And uh, radishes. Now, radishes was interesting. I, I, I let some daikon radishes go, uh, not by mistake. And uh, and they grew these nice little long, like pea size, uh, um, uh, you know, pods, right? Uh-huh. And I thought, wow, I wonder what these taste like. So I'm eating away on these, and I, I call my daughter, who who uh, spent quite a bit of time in India, as Ayurvedic teacher, doctor, and I said, Claudia would not believe how good these radish pods are, and she says, oh yeah, they grow them in India all the time. They use one called rat tail radish, and I'm going. See, I thought I discovered something here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have. You know, that's important. Yeah, well, you know, and it was a new discovery for me. <laughs> right. You know, and it, we've all know that is that the best plant in our garden over and over is a volunteer. Mm. And those volunteers happens because something reseeded itself on its own. And those are always good, mm. you know, to pay attention to. They may not be the same genetically mm-hmm. as the original parents, mm-hmm. you know, especially if they're not a self-pollinating plant, but what the hell? Mm. You know, they're good. <laughs> so let's keep them. I love that. <laughs> well, uh, one of the, one of the uh, topic I was interested in is, is the uh, f- fresh flower movement. And yeah. uh, I, uh, we have one, uh, uh, well, it's called the Redhead Bakery, uh, just down the road from us here at the radio station. And they make a Cyrus Pringle bread, which is all Vermont-grown grains. Oh, <laughs> I love it. You know, Vermont at one point was one of the great, you know, grain-growing regions. Mm. I mean, there were huge amounts of grains being grown. Mm. Um, and in fact, just across the Canadian border to the north, where they had more public programs to to uh, keep the, some of that infrastructure, the local mills and whatever, and the and the smaller-sized farms, um, some of that culture is still alive mm-hmm. in, in, in oh, or still intact. But Vermont's coming back as our... Um, areas all over the country. Yeah. We're learning that, you know, everybody all over the world is shortening their supply lines for their food. Mm-hmm. For one, for their health. We just learned that, you know, local food's healthier for us. Yeah. Industrialized food just it hasn't been that that way. Go in and look at how many gluten-free things are in your local supermarket now, you know. Yeah. We're learning that the older heritage grains actually, you know, uh, even those gluten-intolerant people can start to eat again. And so that's fueling some of it. But it just tastes better. Yeah. And it is better. And yeah. those grains have such great names and stories. And <laughs> and so it's really, you know, we're we're wholly behind this movement to fresh grind, fresh locally grown grains. Wow. It yeah. just doesn't get better than that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's certainly great bread. That's for sure. But of course, every bread in there is 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 good bread. OK, um, Bill, you you uh, you OK for uh, we're going to take a break. Um, can you hold on for a few minutes? Yeah, Okay, no great. All right, we'll be back to you in a minute. Clausen's is celebrating summer with Clausen's Grown Annuals, Perennials, Vegetables, and Herbs. At Clausen's, you'll find festive plants, seeds, colorful pottery, unique gifts, and novelty items, as well as fabulous new garden accents and a full-service flower shop. Print out your weekly online coupons from Clausen's.com. Summer is here at Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, 187 Main Street, Colchester. Open seven days a week. Think summer? Think Clausen's. 
Meyer Lumber, Route 15 Wolcott, has lumber for all your needs. Spruce, pine, hemlock, and cedar. We sell both rough and plain lumber. PR Lumber has shiplap, square edge, tongue and groove, V groove, and tuba six V groove. Five quarter decking is available in cedar and tamarack. Live edge pine planks. PR Lumber, 472 6636. Weekdays, 7 to 4 30. Saturdays, 8 to noon. That's 472 6636. Local lumber, local service. Put us first. find locally grown plants at Montpelier Agway, of course. Their nursery is full of locally grown annuals, perennials, vegetables, herbs, and hanging baskets. Buy six six-inch annuals for just $36, and all trees, shrubs, and blueberries are 20% off. Montpelier Agway, locally owned. Route 2, Montpelier. And once again, here's Peter. All right, Joe. So, uh, uh, Bill, Joel has uh, one of his, his brother has about 50, did you say, Joel, about 50 different varieties of uh, tomatoes growing in his deck. That's right. Uh, he has a huge deck in the, uh, in the uh, Catskill Mountains, and he's right on a mountainside. So it, even though he has an acre or so of property, none of it is really tillable, but the biggest deck I've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, not only does he have all those different heirloom tomatoes he uh, as a special gift to me this year uh, sent me uh, about 30 plants that uh, came through the mail from the various seed uh, and plant companies that actually will mail starter plants and so I have every variety of striped purple yellow white odd, oh, odd color it. and size I'm, I and they're growing very nicely right now I just can't wait to see what I have when mm. they when they mature that's Isn't right. that great? Yeah, Joel, you're you know, gonna, you're going to have to hand me a couple of these seeds well, so I can say uh, to it, the yeah. tomatoes. <laughs> you know, this is well, this is diversity, and this is fun. When we try to get young people involved, mm-hmm. you know, back involved in this, and they're all on their iPhones, you know, yeah. and they're off in another world. You know, this is what I I try to get them. I said, this is the video game you want to grow. Yeah. Is all these striped and colored tomatoes? Look at the diversity. Look at the surprises. I don't know if you've seen Berkeley tie-dye tomato. I just saw it Unbelie- for the first time. Yeah, unbelievable color. This is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like the analogy. I hadn't really thought of it, but <laughs> it's, it's a great game for sure. Uh, well, uh, so uh, just, just to recap on the Sterling College uh, uh, Seed School, um, I, as I understand it, there's still a few spots open so that if somebody actually uh, was interested, um, they could uh, go ahead and just contact Sterling College and, and sign up for the week of uh, seed school. And then you get to meet all yeah. the, the, the real rock stars. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, you know, and I think what one of the things we've learned is that and one of the things our students uh uh, really appreciate is that after the school's over, they're part of a network. They mm-hmm. have these open communication channels, not only with the other students, but all the other students who've ever been to our seed schools. Mm-hmm. And we've got this incredible network of people now, and then all the teachers that have come, of course. And so it's just a quick way in. This is something that I didn't have. Yeah. When I got started in 1979, yeah. it was the same problem. We knew we were losing diversity. We knew that we needed to come to local food. This was before the even, we even had the local food movement. Right. But we knew that we needed local seeds even then. Mm-hmm. And so in a sense, you know, the seed schools were started out of that idea, mm-hmm. is that, you know, a group of us had lived long enough to become the resource <laughs> that we were looking for when we got started. Exactly. And I think that's what John Navazio would say, you know. Yeah. He's yeah. been around doing this for as long as I have. And it's just so rewarding now. Yep. that we can pass on the mistakes that we've made and help connect people together in a way that we never were able to. We had to go out and do that, you know, hard work. And now people can just get it. It's really a shortcut, Yeah. you know. It sounds like it's an easy thing to do, maybe too easy, but it it's just one of those opportunities 
that has come about that we're, you know, we're still doing it. I'm, you know, I'm going to be 65 next year. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much longer I'll be doing this. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, take advantage of it now. And again, they have a few spots left and I can't think of a better place. This may end up being the best seed school we ever do. You know, that's how I'm looking at this. That's terrific. Well, I saw, you know, in the, uh, uh, the video again, the, where you store all your seeds and you made a comment about you actually grow out each each one each of the seeds every 10 years you you grow them out and and and, and then refresh the supply right and um, right can you can you do that uh, organically i mean is it is it possible to farm and do those kinds of things organically you know i don't believe that a seed bank even like native seed search mm-hmm. um a, where I was director when the movie was made, um, is going to be able to do that going into the future. It's just too expensive. Too expensive, And so that's, you know, I was recruited, uh, my wife Belle and I were recruited to start the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance, Mm -hmm. which was supposed to be like a native seed search, a regional seed conservation organization for the Rocky Mountain West. And so when we started it, what we decided was to use our resources a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. So instead of bringing all the seeds to save into one place, and having the responsibility to grow them out. Yeah. What we're doing is getting, we're teaching everybody in our region to grow and save some of those seeds, uh. to build a resilient network out there. And that's why, you know, courses like Seed School are so important to us. That's mm. where we put all our energy. Mm. We mm. want everybody to do it. And in a sense, it gets us back to what we had. Mm. Every farmer and gardener um, grew and saved their own seeds, right. you know, three generations ago in this country. Yeah. And we didn't have to worry about losing diversity. We were creating and storing it yeah. for all those varieties that work. That's what we want to get back to. And that's why we do our seed schools. And that's what's different about what I'm doing now. Yeah. Well, another one of those bumper stickers is that, you know, there's a, a picture from the, hmm, was the 30s. And they're, you know, standing there, these two girls standing there in the middle of the garden. And, and uh, the caption is, uh, this is our supermarket, you know. This is where they went to 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 get food, you know. <laughs> and exactly. That, that's a whole different perspective because now you go into the supermarket and it is really pretty super. You can have tomatoes any time of year. You can have grapes any time of year. You know. You walk well, in, you know, and carrots, and and the the message is getting out. I don't know if you saw the National Garden Survey, which mm-hmm. you know has done every year mm-hmm. by the National Gardening Association. And uh, for the first time, and it started last year, but it continued on to this 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 last or year before last, and it continued through last year, is that we're seeing an explosion in the number of gardeners in a demographic age group that we've never seen before, mm. and that's the millennials. Mm. Six million new millennial gardeners. And they're the ones that are turning their gardens into supermarkets. They're getting that message and saying, you know what? Mm -hmm. This is better. Mm -hmm. It's better food for me. Mm -hmm. It's better for my kids. I can afford organic food now for the first time. And it's better for the planet. Uh, And so I'm really really excited Mm -hmm. to see this change in my life because, you know, for 28 years I was looking at that survey and I had to target (laughs) 55 and up people with college degrees. That had families. That's gardens, you yep. know. Yep, yep. Yeah, I I just did a, a class uh, over in Burlington, and and I was impressed because almost every single one of them was a uh, was in that age group. You know, we're we're like yeah. my kids' age, and they're they're yeah. um, you know, it was it's gratifying. It's it's really nice to see, and they, and and they're they're listening. They want to learn. You know, that's yeah. it's really great. I I teach you know just strictly small gardens. You know. Um, Kind of like the square foot gardening or right. John Dee, exactly. you know, permanent right. permanent beds, permanent pathways, perfect soil, and trellises, and grid planting. Everybody's uh, heard that on my show so many times. I'm sure they all go, "Oh, not again." Well, <laughs> well, just to tell you, yep. that's how I do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what you're doing is the, the most important. You know, this is all getting melded together. You know, oh, yeah. we need my the people we teach can't grow seeds unless they learn how to do what you're doing probably yeah. Yeah. and so yeah it's all just a beautiful beautiful awakening we're coming together to do this and i i just have ho- hope and i just got a feeling we're going to learn how to do this just in time yeah you know? <laughs> yeah i have i have the faith that faith too and uh yeah. you know it, and it's interesting because uh i you know i grew up uh, in youngstown ohio 
and that was uh, you know the rust bucket between uh, Cleveland, Youngstown, Pittsburgh. Right. And uh, people say, oh, things are so bad and things are so polluted. And I said, you know, well, wait a minute here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, the Mahoning River. Well, the Cuyahoga is the one that started on fire. That, that you know, yeah. there was a rock bed, I-A-O, Ohio, you know. And yeah. uh, they always used to laugh about the Mahoning River was too, um, too thick to navigate and too thin to cultivate. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, when the wind blew right, the sulfur from the steel mills was just incredible. So, you know, I, I my perspective is different. You know, we, yeah. we used to drive down a, a, a road in Ohio and there was cans and bottles and everything all over the place. And now we're recycling all that. You know, the, uh, I tend to be on the hopeful side because I've seen that, that we've been we really have made a difference uh, in a lot yeah. of different things. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of challenges still i i agree with oh, that yeah. and we need a much more egalitarian kind of uh, you know really equal really truly equal society that's true and uh, you know there's a lot of things still to that we're struggling for but boy i've seen some a lot of changes hey uh you know bill we have a a, a caller bill actually Great. from waterbury all right all right let's see right. what bill has so bill welcome Hey, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for calling. Listen, uh, it's uh, been a fascinating discussion about seeds, but um, I know you're probably going to be getting off soon. <laughs> uh, in the past, I've heard you talk about uh, taking foliage off your tomatoes. Yep. And, and uh, I got some really great plants. They've got flowers, and I'm wondering where and how much foliage I take off. Well, uh, in the way I do it, and, and I can't say this is the right way or anything, but this is the way I do it. I strip all the leaves from the bottom up to the first set of, leaf, first set of uh, flowers. Okay. And then as, um, as the flowers continue to form, I cut off all those leaves underneath. So I leave a, um, the foliage at the top of about um, four or five uh, branches at the top, and that's all. So okay, so my, where the flowers start, mm -hmm. cut the foliage below that off. Below that, and then each time you get more flowers, cut the the foliage below that, and then just keep moving all on the way up. Okay. What about you, Bill? What do you? How do you do? Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, if I have time and energy, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes my garden gets out of hand later. <laughs> and what I've learned is, you know, no. there's a lot of intelligence in them too. They'll. I still get tomatoes, whether I get more pounds or whatever. I haven't measured, but. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because he had a lot of calls from people who say, oh, there's something wrong with my tomatoes. All the leaves at the bottom are turning yellow. And I was saying, no, there's nothing wrong with their tomatoes. They know exactly what they're doing. They don't need those. Yeah. They don't need those anymore. Yeah. They've yeah. cut all the yeah. sugar flow off to them and sealed up a, a callus. And you'll notice that right. they pretty much drop off in your hands anyway. So, okay. Okay. And, um, well, they are perennial so plants. My, my wife is also <laughs> away, and she usually does a lot of the stuff in the garden, and I've been uh, trying to take care of it while she's off uh -oh. with my daughter. Um, so this coming week, it's going to be pretty hot. Is it, too, um, is it too much to water every day, or should I give it a break in between? Uh, generally, you want to give it a break. You want to okay. go for a deep watering um, yeah. once a week. Uh, roughly an inch uh, of rain, what would okay. be equivalent an inch of rain. Um, we're going to have an especially hot week. Yeah. So in that case, you want to go ahead and do the test. You want to drill your finger down into the soil and see if it's dry down there. If it's okay. dry down there, then, then you may have to do it twice a week. Okay. But uh, that, so even with it being so hot, uh, once or twice a week, you still twice a week. if you, you water You, you don't deeply. need to do them every day, yeah. Yeah, Okay. okay. Um, Anything else? Uh, the only other thing is, did you get a chance to read that article about the bee lining that I dropped off last week? The bee lining. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bees, yes, yeah. I did. I, I actually we reviewed it online last last uh, um, last week, and okay. uh, yeah, I was I so fascinated the, the the idea that the bee line is is following those bees back to the hive. Yeah, it was I loved pretty it. incredible. I yeah. thought. Yeah. Uh, you'd be interested in. Uh, it, was, it was great, just the idea of being able to, to follow the bees back to their the wild hive and, and harvest uh, 50 pounds of honey really, really was exciting. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> Good. Well, okay, thank you very much for thank, your help. I appreciate it. Bill, thanks for the call. Bye-bye. All right, Bill, you're still there? Yes. Okay, good. So, um, the... Uh, uh, 
I'm trying to see here. We've got, um, I've still got a little time left. Yeah, a little bit of time, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we could take our final break and then uh, have our final segment of the program. Okay, great. Okay. All right, hang on. All right. We'll be right back. A word from our fine sponsors. We sell quite a few of the breeds at the store when we have our chick days in the, in the spring. You put an order in, and you go pick them up. We've taken the grandchildren with us before to pick them out. We have about probably around 15 chickens. Me and my sister take care of all the animals. For introduction to dealing with a farm animal, chickens have got to be one of the best ways to go. They're actually very easy to take care of. Chick days have arrived, so print order forms online and bring them to any guy's farm and yard location, including our newest store in St. Albans. Get a load of the racks at Linda's Apparel. Summer is alive and well at Linda's Apparel. Vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkly jewelry, a captivating collection of women's fashions, soft eye-catching pastels, effervescent splashes of color, simple to essential. If it's time to freshen up what's in your closet for hot summer days, visit Linda's Apparel, Main Street, Virgins. A perfect place to find yourself this summer. Pop off your propane grill tanks this Saturday. Hi, this is Tiffany from Menards Agway. The crew from Suburban Propane will be grilling hot dogs and we will be filling 100-pound tanks for just $60 and 20-pound tanks for just $11.99, June 30th only. At family-owned and operated Menards Agway, your yard, garden, and pet place. Open seven days a week. Brooklyn Street, Morrisville. Starting this Saturday, 50% off all outdoor plants. And once again, <laughs> okay, behind the scenes, uh, acrobatics that you just can't imagine. And uh, wh- <laughs> well, here's Peter. All right, good, good. Uh, so, Bill, I had one more question for you. There was a, a note in here um, about uh, uh, value-added products that, that, uh, that they might learn about in the seed school up in uh, Crestbury. Is, is that, can you hear me? You yes. there? Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yes. Now I got gotcha. you. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, um, Joel's back yes. on there. You know, I, I mentioned a little bit of that with the lettuce. We think oh. seeds are the value-added product. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Okay. That once, you know, even small market farmers understand that um, their seeds, once they start to save them, can be as valuable or more valuable mm. a mm. product for them. Mm. You know, great. The story is Nash Huber. Um, was growing his favorite carrot. He got it from one of his favorite Northeast um, seed companies for years. Sure. They discontinued it because where they were getting it emerged with another larger company. Mm. So Nash got together with John Navazio and actually started growing and saving what little seed he had left for this carrot. And over the years, he improved it, named it Nash Huber's Carrot. Now mm. when he goes to the farmer's market in Seattle, people line up for blocks to buy Nash Huber's carrots. There's <laughs> lots of other people selling carrots at the market, but they're not Nash Huber's. He oh, has differentiated himself in the market. And you can buy packets of the seed also with the carrots. And so that's the value added that we're talking about that will uh, give you numerous examples and help you in this transition because, every, as I said, you know, every farmer and gardener used to grow and save all their own seeds. We probably don't have to do that now or want to, but as we go back to that, it can add great value back into our gardens. So we we really, we want people to be successful. Yeah, that's great. Okay, great. That is the value added product, (laughs) the seed. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) great. We just forgot. Great, great. Yeah, we just forgot. Okay, great. So um, Bill McDormand, uh, is presenting the Seed School up at Sterling College in Crashbury Commons, right here in good old Vermont. And uh, it's going August 5th through the 10th. Um, and you can call the college and uh, sign up and and uh, see about the uh, the tuition and stuff like that. Um, I Boy, I wish I could take that week off. <laughs> I'd like yeah. to do it myself. but Oh, uh, it would be great to have you. It yeah. would be such an honor. And, you know, people can go to RockyMountainSeeds.org, yep. our mm-hmm. website, our mm-hmm. nonprofit website, and you can link in that way. Yep. Also, you know, if you want to see how a good regional 
Sea Conservation Organization runs, and we need these kinds of organizations that are educating and teaching seed saving all over the world, let alone the United States. So we have people to sign up from all over the country mm-hmm. for ours for now until they find or start their own in their own region. So mm-hmm. don't feel bashful. Come on in. See mm-hmm. what's going on. Kick the tires. Learn what you can. We give everything away. Everything we teach in our seed school, all the PowerPoints, everything we give away. We want. We know that we need a movement to bring this diversity and resilience back to all our farms and gardens. That's what we're dedicated to doing, and we want to get you up and running doing that no matter what level you come in. So Mm. come to school if you can. If you can't, sign up on our website. Amen, brother. That's great. What 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 a great thing. I'm just thrilled, really. And we have a call. Bill, can you hang on for a sec? Gene in Morrisville. Okay, Gene, you there? Gene in Morrisville. Gene, are you still there? Yes, I am. I have a a lawn question. Okay. Uh, I'm on uh, uh, a piece of property that's quite heavily sand. Yeah. And my lawn has got big spots in it that are dying out, sure. yeah. and it looks as though little anthills are coming up all over, you know, all over in that circle. Yep, ant heaven. And I'm wondering what that is or what I can do for it. Well, if it's mostly sand, that's not really a great environment for grass or certain types of grass. So you have a couple of different approaches. One is you, you, you find a grass variety that is better suited to your sandy soil. That's one. Two is you, you add more um, you know, organic matter to your, um, to your sandy soil. And you can do that in a couple of ways by adding compost or you know, compost or manure, that kind of thing. And the other way you can add uh, organic matter to that is just uh, simply grown green manures. Uh, a couple of weeks ago I had a, a, um, a show on green manures. And you can take things like uh, old ryegrass or, or oats or... Oh gosh, clovers, um, any number of different things you can use for uh, green manure. Uh, you can check out the podcast uh, online. But you could uh, go ahead and, and seed your whole lawn that way. It, it wouldn't look great for a year or so if you, if you did a few, um, you know, a few rounds of green manures, and that would add a tremendous amount to the organic right. matter in this. Well, the other thing that is, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I uh, bought this property 15 years ago, yep. um, and it was all pasture, farm pasture. Sure. Um, and I, uh, at that, when I bought it and built the house, I did uh, uh, seed it yep. with grass seed. Um, uh-huh. and, well, I did fertilize it, and I put lime on, uh, sure. grass seed on. And it's been, you know, a fairly decent uh, lawn mm-hmm. uh, right up until the last couple of years. And then we've noticed this happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I have put on compost on some of it. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted this. It just seems to be spotty. Yeah. Uh, where these these it's dried. Of course, it's really dry this year. Anyway. It is particularly dry, and of course, a, a sandy soils is uh, particularly. Um, or just seemed like they invaded that, and I just wondered, you know. Well, you, you've made yourself an ant hotel there, so they're, they're very, very happy with, with what so. you've done, yeah. Bill, are you there? Uh, you, yeah. you you got any comment on lawns? <laughs> you know, um, they make, um, when they're sheet mulch, they make a, a great and easy transition to vegetable gardens. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I, I do have uh, you know raised beds, and I do have an, a garden that's in the in the you know in my property. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know I've, gra- I've grown gardens forever, and yeah. Um, since I've been here fifteen years, you know I've had very good gardens. Well, I'd say that the soil's basically just got to a point where it's worn out. Everything that you put into it is basically it's just growing. You know, it's growing. You know, to to its extent it needs more more of the organic matter so but i would look first at a variety that was specifically for sandy soil and you may not find that locally because you know that the sandy soil is not something that's common in vermont right so but uh you could probably go right to agway or blue seal or any one of our sponsors here and and ask them for something that would be specifically for a sandy soil that would that would uh you know be deeper rooted one and 
and to uh, be more um, tolerant of the drought conditions that you're that you've got there. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, give it a try. I'd really love to hear back from you, Gene. See what you found out. Okay, thank you very much. All right, Gene. Thanks much. And Bill, once again, uh, I want to thank you for coming on. This has been really enlightening, and it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, it's been really a pleasure. And, mm -hmm. you know, just one other idea is that yep. we do now have a version of Seed School online. Oh. You can download seven um, uh, modules. Oh. And so um, if you don't have time to take off a week, that's still available to you. We've distilled mm. down the tried to distill down the best of what we've done. So oh, that's you can great. find that at Rocky, RockyMountainSeeds.org. It's been a real pleasure. I feel like we're kindred spirits we're on the <laughs> same page. I really like you know, how you do your show and what you teach. Keep doing it. This is what we all, right, all really need to be doing in this <laughs> modern world, and I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate hearing that, too. And same to you. I look forward to your class when you come all right. Yeah. All right. All right. Take care. All right. Good. You, too. Take care. Joel? We didn't do too bad. We didn't go uh, too far over, right? No, that's not you, fun. you got any more? You got any more calls, or no? I guess we're all set right now. All I, right, uh, but uh, certainly learned a, a great deal, and, uh, <laughs> and and the enthusiasm is contagious, isn't it? You, though, it's isn't really it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. And and I, as I was coming here, I stopped at the you know Maple Corner store, and I said, like, I am so excited <laughs> about this show, you know. And they were like, Wow, what is it about? <laughs> I started to talk about seeds, you know, and you could see them go, huh, seeds, really excited about seeds. And then I told them, they're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. You know? <laughs> anyway, we're, uh, that's the uh, seed school for this week. And uh, I would love to hear any comments that you have. Uh, uh, so save them up, write them down for next week, and we'll, we'll talk uh, more seeds and more garden and all the rest. And uh, thanks so much for listening. By inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. In the Garden with Peter Burke, brought to you this week by the Willie Store, your true value hardware store near Caspian Lake in Greensboro. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, your full-service florist with over 40 greenhouses in Colchester. Check them out at Clausen's.com and do it now. Check out their Monday coupons, great values. Guy's Farm and Yard, your neighborhood community feed, grain, animal, and yard store. There's one near you as they have locations in Morrisville, Montpelier, St. Albans, and Williston. By Grow Compost, just down the road from us here at uh, WDEV. They're on uh, Route 2 down the road. Grow Compost, compost soils, mulches in Moortown. GrowCompost.com. By PNR Lumber, your complete local lumber store on Route 15 in Walkins. And they have the, uh, the pre-cut raised beds. So uh, unlike when I cut them, uh, they come out square when you buy them pre-cut from PNR Lumber. Uh, Menards Agway, your yard, garden, and pet place, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Blossom Cottage Florist and Taste of the North. Uh, they're at, uh, right there on Route 302 in Barry. And uh, one of our favorite places, uh, right in the heart of Virgins on Main Street, Linda's Apparel, bursting with vibrant colors, stylish accessories, sparkling jewelry, and the most captivating collections of ladies' fashions. By Jail Branch Greenhouse, perennials, annual soils, and all your garden needs on Route 302 in Barry. And year-round, all you need for whatever you're doing, garden and more. Your locally owned Agway store, seeds and feeds, and a whole lot more. Route 2 in Montpelier. Do join us again next week at 1230 in the Garden with Peter Burke. <laughs>